Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and can double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're speaking with Kent Clothier. Kent is a serial entrepreneur that started his first arbitrage business at the age of 17 and exited at the age of 13 after building the company to $1.8 billion in annual sales. He's been in the real estate investing and real estate education industries, becoming an industry trainer and national speaker. Kent's organization, Real Estate Worldwide, and affiliated companies have sold over 35 million in real estate investing software, education, and personalized mentoring to students all over North America. And in 2015, Kent and his family uh, had the distinguished honor of having four companies named in the Inc. Magazine 5,000 Fast Growing Companies list. Uh, and he loves helping entrepreneurs turn their hustle into a real business. Super excited for this episode, Kent. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, let's let's jump right into it. Um, I want you to give our audience some context uh, as to who you are and how you kind of got into this space, and then I think we'll we'll dive into what we talked about kind of pre-show, which is, you know, a lot of health professionals are still stuck in that hustle and not really kind of going all in on their business. So, I know that you're a you're an extremely successful business owner and you've done a lot of different things. So, give our audience some context. Yeah, I mean, you touched on a little bit in the intro, but but I was uh, extremely fortunate. I was raised in an entrepreneurial family, and so. As you touched on, I, I got started in an arbitrage business in the grocery industry. My father owned uh, grocery stores and convenience stores at a very, you know, while I was a kid. And so I got to watch how that business kind of worked and quickly realized there were a lot of inefficiencies in that market. And so when I was 17, we started a business where we were buying and selling truckloads of groceries, a single item at a time, like Pringles or, or toilet tissue. It just really didn't matter. Whatever was in the grocery store, we could... Uh, if it was being sold at a discount in one market and not in another, we were the perfect guys to come in there and buy it in one, that one market and turn around, put it on a truck and ship it up to the, the market where it was being sold at a higher price, offer it at a little bit of a discount and kind of make the, the yield in between there. And so that little company that we started, you know, it uh, turned into a really big company. By the time I was 25, I was running a $80 million a year company. By the time I was 27, it was $800 million. By the time I was 30, we were doing $1.8 billion a year. And as you mentioned, I left that company. And I would love to say that I left there on amazing terms. That's just not how it happened. I basically got a little too full of myself, got into a running with my partners, walked out and uh, proceeded to lose everything I'd ever earned over the course of the next two years, millions and millions of dollars. And Ultimately, that put me into a place where I, I had nowhere where else to go. I mean, I burned every bridge, burned every relationship, burned everything I'd known. So I uh, ultimately turned to real estate and started into a concept where people, I mean, we've all seen it on TV, people are flipping houses and all this kind of stuff. So I started doing a lot of that hustling. And, you know, after probably about three years of that, I, that entrepreneur side of me that and turned on and the, the uh, hustler side turned off and I realized I could actually turn it into a business. And so I started... Mm -hmm putting all the systems and processes and automation in place. And before we knew it, we were flipping hundreds and hundreds of houses a year, multiple states, which ultimately led me to what I'm extremely passionate about today. I mean, we are, our investing business still operates today, still does 800 properties a year and manages over 6,500 properties. But it's allowed me to go and do something that I'm really passionate about, like yourself, where I get to go and help entrepreneurs. I go and get out there and really kind of help them understand what is really possible that they will... Uh, Kind of make some some serious shifts, and so since 2006, I've I've been uh, CEO of a company or a second company called the Real, Real Estate Worldwide, and you know, we have software and trainings and coaching and masterminds and all that kind of good stuff. And so 
very happy to say we've helped about 60,000 people so far in counting. So mm-hmm. that's incredible. It's a, uh, it's, it's one of those stories where it's like things are going really well and then kind of shit hits the fan and, and you got a choice. It's like, do I just go downhill and, and suffer and, you know, and, and bitch and moan or do oh, I, I went downhill. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'll tell you, I went all the way downhill. I, you know, what happens at least with me personally is being a type A personality and, and at that point I had never failed. I mean, you just got to mm. put it in context from 17 to 30, I've been wildly successful. So I didn't know what failure felt like. I didn't know what mm. suffering felt like. And so it took me 22 months to get all the way down to the bottom. And but once I got all the way down there, I knew uh, I never wanted to go back. And, mm. and so I started fighting in a completely different industry, did not know anything about it, had no connections, no list, no name, no brand. And, you know, I was, I was in hustle book. All I cared about was I just didn't want to be broke anymore. And, mm. but you know, as the saying goes, once you, once you kind of get through the mechanics of it and understand that, Hey, I'm never going to be broke again. I know how to make money. Um, then you got to figure out, okay, now I got to start giving myself some options. I was very, very motivated. And I knew I had, I, I was getting re- remarried. I had a new little baby on the way. And I knew that I wanted to spend time. I didn't want to make the same mistakes. And I wanted to spend time with my wife and my young daughter. And I knew as long as I was a hustler, that was going to be very, very challenging to do. So I was highly mm. motivated to figure out a way to turn it into a business. Yeah. I think that a lot of house officials get stuck in this. I'm a practitioner and this is my business when in actual fact, it's just a fancy job. When in reality, there's a big difference between turning a practice into a business. And I talk about it a lot because I think it's important uh, and my listeners will attest to that. But with, with a business, it's, it's, it's an entity that's moving forward uh, on train tracks heading in a direction. In a practice, it's like, if I don't turn up today on my bicycle and pedal, then I'm not going anywhere. And we really need to be able to turn our practices into real businesses that are running themselves. What, what helped you go from, this is a hustle to, I want to make it into a business, uh, kind of mechanically, if you know what I mean. Obviously, there's a mindset shift. It's like, I'm sick of this hustle. But um, yeah. what do you actually then do to go out of hustle into business mode? Well, I think, and I just stress the very first thing you said is the mindset. I think probably the single most frustrating aspect of it is that the very thing that got you to the place where you're never going to be broke again, you know, as the practitioner, as the business or, you know, the person that owns the job um, is that that person has to die. That mentality has to die. It can mm. not, it will not, it does not serve you when you're trying to turn it into a business. In fact, it works absolutely against you because you know, what, what happens is, is you sit there and, and believe that, all right, get out of the way. I'll just get in and I'll do this. Or nobody's going to do this as good as me. Or, you know, you won't make the time to pay the dues and put the systems in place, the processes, the leverage points in place, the automation, the tools, all the things that have to be put in place for you to experience freedom, experience options, right? To actually turn mm-hmm. it into a business you won't make the time for it because the hustler inside of you is too busy doing exactly that. Hey man, I know what got me here. I know what to do. I know how to go make money. I know if I pick up the phone and make the sales call or if I know if I sit at that desk and do what I, I mean, that's a very, very frustrating situation to be in, but it doesn't make it any less true that that person no longer serves you. So the, the shift has to happen, number one. And when that shift happens, for me personally, it almost had to become a game. And I had a mentor share with me something that really, really helped me a lot. And he told me, your job now is to fire yourself as often as humanly possible. And I'll yeah. never forget yeah. that. 
right? And, and when he said that to me, it really meant a lot to me because now the game became, all right, if I want to give myself the option of showing up to do this task or not. So what are the, what are the, the things that I have to do? If I had to map it out on a whiteboard, what are the things I have to do so that I can fire myself from this if I choose to, which I think is another you know, point worth making is that just because you love something, doesn't mean you have to stop doing it in your business. It just means that wouldn't it be nice to have the option of not doing it? Like I love to come in and do what I do every day, but it's nice knowing that even if I don't show up, that you know what, the money's still going to come in. And so putting yourself in a position where you fire yourself as often as you can, figuring out what that looks like has been an amazing exercise that, that uh, I send not only myself, but all of my managers through um, making sure that what are the processes right now that could be automated or could be effectively automated through other people, through leverage, right? Mm. How do we do that? How do we get a bigger return on our investment by having multiple people attack something, break it down into its smallest parts, or eliminate it altogether, right? There's a lot of things we just con ourselves into believing must be done when the reality of it is, is that, again, through automation, tools, people, whatever, just because it has to be done doesn't mean it has to be done by you. I think that a lot of people don't look inward and have that self-awareness that I'm doing a lot of stuff that I don't need to be doing. That's not actually moving the needle forward. That's the first thing, as, as, especially with my clients, is they have to do this thing, they have to do that thing. And I, and I sit there and I, and I say, do, do you really have to do it? Is it the thing that's actually making the business go forward? And a lot of the time I think that we get stuck in this, in this hustle mentality of getting stuff done feels like it must be moving us like you you'll know people and i i myself was like this and, and you might have been like this as well because i feel like we're, we're quite similar it's like you know get out of my way i'm just going to do some stuff and then we're, we're hustling all day and we get to the end of the day and it's like man nothing actually happened because we're we're doing busy work and i think the first thing is like let's get rid of the busy work because there's stuff that is obvious that we that we can automate and outsource but then thinking bigger than that too and looking at well why am i even in this business why am i working with these clients like what's my outcome is it to make money? Is it to help people? Like what's the thing? And, and as health professionals, most of us get into it because we want to help people. And so if we're s- stuck playing small, where we're seeing, you know, 10, 15, 20, 100 people a week, uh, and our goal is actually to make a difference and to impact people, then we have an obligation to figure out how to expand that, especially if we have methods that work, right? And I think that most of us just don't look at it like that. We think that yeah, we're doing I, the best think, by us doing it, you know? Yeah, I think... You know, the best analogy I can give, uh, give people, and, and you're, you're, by the way, you're 100% correct, is that, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs all over the country, much like yourself. And I can tell you that I have never, in probably two or 3,000 people that I've coached over the years, I've never had somebody sit down with me. And if I ask them exactly what they want their life to look like, or exactly what they want this business to be, I've never had one that could actually tell me uh, coming mm-hmm. out of the game right? Not once. And so I think it's probably more common than people realize is that they don't start with the end in mind. That's the problem with the hustler. The hustler is chasing the money, right? We're just trying to go, 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 go. We're doing what we're taught to do. But, you know, again, back to the analogy I was going to use, if, if you really are honest with yourself, if somebody told you to meet them at an address that you were unfamiliar with, the very first thing you would do is go put it in your GPS, whether it's on your phone or in your car. If your wife or husband or significant other said, hey, um, could you stop at the grocery store and pick up a few things for me? 
you would never stop there. You would immediately say, okay, can you tell me exactly what it is you're looking for? In fact, better, can you take a picture of it in, this, in the house and send me the labels that when I go to the grocery store, I'm going to get exactly what you look for. What you sure as hell would never do is go into the grocery store and buy a bunch of random things up and down every aisle, dump it into a cart, take it home, dump it on the kitchen counter and say, is any of this stuff what you're looking for? But yet, that is exactly what people do every single day with their life and their business. Like mm-hmm. I just I'll know success when I, when I hit it. I'll, I, it'll just be obvious to me. Or, you know, if you, yeah, I'll just drive up and down the street until I find the house that I'm looking for. Nobody would do that. If you said that to anybody, they would think you're crazy. And so it's these little things. We do it every single day. Yet the most important thing about us, like our life, our business, what we really want, we won't even map out a plan. We won't understand what the destination is. And I think that is super, super important that if somebody clearly, to your point earlier, if somebody understands what the destination is, like if I know, like we're smart guys, if, if I know this is what I'm trying to achieve in my life, then it gets really easy to do that introspective thinking, like what you're talking about, where I'm saying, you know, does this get me closer or does it take me further away? But that's a very uncomfortable conversation to have if you have no idea what the hell the destination even is. How would you even know, right? People tie it to, well, I want to make a quarter of a million dollars a year. That's not a business. That's a job, Mm. right? I mean, where where it should be tied to something like, you know, I want to travel the world. I want to create moments. I want to give to charity. I want to be able to make an impact in the world. I want to be able to impact thousands of people at a time. I want to change somebody's life. I want to create something that allows that to happen. And when you have that kind of clarity, then like we're talking, these trivial tasks will seem exactly that way. Very trivial. Like somebody's got to do it, but you know who doesn't have to do it? Me. I got to build the thing that keeps me on path to where I get to do what I really want to do. 100%. I heard an interesting concept from, from someone else I had on the show recently. And um, they talked about your business being the entity that's you're, as you're bringing in people, you're, you know, you're supporting their lives and you're helping them grow. And, and that when you're building this business, it's, it's not just there to serve you and fill your pocket. You're bringing in people, you're impacting clients, you're changing the world, you're moving in a direction. And so this business, a lot of time, especially when, when our business is smaller, we look at how do we squeeze out all the juice? And so we think, well, I'm just going to squash this orange super flat and take all the juice. But then the orange can't exist without juice in it, labored analogy. But you get my point. It's like we are just trying to take all the profit out and hustle and do all the work, but then it actually limits our ability to to grow bigger and to make a bigger impact. And I think that a lot of the time, like we talked about, is because people don't have clarity, right? They don't think to themselves, well, I'm going to bring in other people to create leverage to help me help more people. And sure, I don't take as much of the profit, but because the entity is growing, overall, there's more because I'm investing in myself. Like when Mm -hmm. people, you know, they think about, oh, should I join a mastermind or a coaching program, right? And they're looking at the cost of that thing instead of considering, and I saw it in one of your videos talking about consumer mindset versus right, entrepreneur, which is how do I, as an investor, how do I look at I'm spending money to make money and staff and teams and systems and things like that not only facilitate us to, to make a bigger impact, but they also allow us to make more money. But most people just want to squeeze the juice uh, and take it out. And I think it comes back to having a lack of clarity. When I go to a team meeting, it really pisses my staff off sometimes. I get into a team meeting and before we do anything, I go, okay, so what's, what's the outcome here? Or they say something to me and they go, okay, James, I want to tell you about blah, blah, blah. And I go, okay, so what's, what's the outcome? And they look at me and they go, well, I just want to tell you about this thing. I was like, yeah, yeah but what do you want? Like, what, what do you want? What do you need? Like, why are we here? Because then I could just give you the answer. Whereas most people like to sit and chat and talk and, and it's kind of just busy work. It's, it's odd. Well, How do you- and, and you know, I'll tell you another component of that, that, to your point, right? Is that I think if people had a, a, not only the clarity on 
what they're trying to achieve, but equally the clarity on how fast the clock is really ticking on all of us. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's a very lethal combination. Like when you have a really good idea of what you're trying to accomplish as an individual, as a business, as a business owner, as a husband, as a wife, everybody, this is what I'm really trying to accomplish in my life. And then you go and actually do the math, right? Go in, you know, in, in the States here, the average American male lives to 78 years old. The average American female is 82. Go take your age. Go subtract your age from that, right? If you want a kind of very humbling moment. And then go multiply that by 365. Go put on the board how many days you have left on this planet right there, right? Statistically speaking. And every day you walk in, just erase one and put a new one on the board, right? Counting it down. When you get very uh, deliberate with the time that you spend, like people, when you, I'm sure James, people say that to you when you say, you know, come on, just tell me what you're looking for. And I, there, there's some people that look at that as rude, right? For me personally, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, oh, man, you're my guy. Because like, like, that's exactly the way I think. I, I don't want to waste a single minute of the day. If I can get to the result faster and get where I'm trying to get to closer to my outcome, then I'm all in, right? There's no investment I won't make. Time, effort, energy, money, it doesn't matter. But most people don't think like that. They are conned into believing. They're kind of lulled to sleep, putting off, right? Hey, I don't want to uh, invest the money in coaching. You know, I'll just figure it out on my own. Well, tomorrow's not promised, baby. Next week, next month, next year. Well, how about you just get to the good stuff right now? Why don't we go figure out a way to get you across the finish line here and actually start experiencing these things? And whether it's in a practice or any business, right? It's, it's, true. it's 100% relatable. It's like, yes. You're never going to be broke. But if you want to figure out whether you have a job or a business, just stop. Go on vacation for two months and then let me know how much money you've got when you get back. Yeah. And if there's not more in the bank account than when you left, then you don't own a business. You own a job. You got to figure out how to get there as fast as you can where the money keeps coming, uh, whether it's through your business or passively, however it is. Money keeps coming whether you show up or not. And then you get the opportunity to spend the time that you have left the way you want to spend it. And when you get those two things right in your head, at least for me, that is when the light bulb goes off for somebody, right? That's that moment when they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I get it, man. The, the days are ticking. Like it's, it's I, I don't need to wait until I'm 65 to experience life, you know, the kind of the mm. con that everybody, no. I, how about I experience life now? I can actually do this now. And it's 100%. Yeah. When you're feeling that, like, like I feel that every day, I wake up and it's like, holy crap, like there's going to be a few less of these you know what i mean like it's just yeah. it's the next day and i look at the week i get to the weekend and i'm like man that was five days gone and i didn't get to spend time with my kid or you know i got another baby on the way and i'm always looking in terms of um you know my my direction shifts right initially it's let's just build this business or make this money or whatever and then life starts to happen and i'm looking at things i'm like man I, would i want to look back and think you know i wish i worked harder or i'm going to look back and go i wish i spent more time and like and obviously yeah. knowing that now means that i can actually go in that direction and there's so many analogies for this but you said it right so like when you go to the supermarket the, the easiest way to get in trouble with your spouse is to just go buy a whole lot of crap and then say is this what you wanted um and it's the easiest way to get in trouble in life too is to, is to not know because you you spend more time money and effort trying to figure it out then just going well where is it that i want to go and then this is the pathway too many people say this to me oh no like you just said oh, i'm not going to invest in the program right now i'm going to try and figure it out myself i'm like okay but i've already figured it out so what if i just gave that to you and saved you six months and then you spent the six months on doing something else but there's this this kind of scarcity and i don't know where it comes from i, I guess it's a societal kind of belief that well, I, I, um, I, I, 
I, th I think it comes from exactly what we're talking about. I think people are just kind of lulled to sleep. They're, they are, unfortunately, you know, we're a product of the people we surround ourselves with. And something, some way, the, the message that's going into those people is, is different than the message that you and I, you know, not only believe in, but we're living, right? That, that mm. I surround myself with elite people who think at an elite level and experience life at an elite level. And I can tell you those conversations are very, very different than people who have, you know, they're just going through the motions and they are existing. They are not thriving in life. They have no uh, drive to get up every morning. They're going to some job that they hate to make somebody else rich, probably driving an hour to get there and an hour home away from their kids. They're exhausted when they get home. They're in poor health. I mean, and again, I'm not taking anything away from anybody, but we are, we all get the same 24 hours. We all get the opportunity to expand our minds and take different actions based off of that expansion. And if people don't take that seriously, then it's really challenging for those people to, you know, hear the types of message that, that we're talking about, because it's just the truth. I mean, there's nothing special mm. about me. Like I'm a redneck from Memphis, Tennessee. I am, a, but I can tell you, I live an amazing life now because I'm very, very intentional with what I'm trying to do with my life and whether it comes to my time, my kids, my wife, my family, my business. I mean, there's just no component of it that I'm not going to try to be very, very intentional with. And therefore, you know, I, I get more than most out of, out of life. And mm. I think that people get conned into believing that, that fear uh, doesn't exist in entrepreneurs and people that play at elite level. That is not true. I mean, let me just clear that myth up real quick. But people who have never gone for it in life, they fear failure. They fear being judged. They fear, you know, their neighbor, their wife, whoever, basically saying, see, I told you so, that's never going to work. I have no fear of that. What I do have a very healthy fear of, and I would be willing to bet you probably do, is I have a fear of regret. I don't want a day to get away from me where I didn't try to make the most out of it. And I think when you are able to make that shift, then you suddenly become pretty powerful in making things happen in your life. Never fear failure. Because nobody cares. You're just not that important. But you should fear regret because you don't want to be sitting on that deathbed saying, man, I wish I should have, I could have. My kids were watching me and I didn't do anything. I didn't fight for my dreams. I didn't go for it. I didn't go on the trips. I didn't take them around the world. I never let them experience life. They just watched me work to death and go make somebody else rich. You don't want to be that guy or girl, I can assure you. 100%. 100%. I do a, a lot of work with Tony Robbins and and he talks about intention as well and, and, and belief and beliefs are really just things that we've stopped thinking about, right? Like whatever you believe is just the thing that you've accepted and gone, okay, it's true. And the problem with that is that if you're not assessing what you believe, it, you very easily can get led by those beliefs into destinations that 100%. you didn't really plan for. Absolutely. You justify it. And being intentional is important. And, it, and a lot of people are stuck. Like I know there's gonna be people listening to this thinking, that's all well and good. I get it, but how do I do it? And I think that the pivot for that is understanding that if you think you get it, but you're not doing it, then you don't get it. And you right. need to actually go out and do it because there's a massive difference between knowing and doing. Plenty of people say to me, oh, I know how to do that. I'm like, okay, so why, why aren't you rich? Why aren't you happy? Well, why if you knew you how to do that? it, then if you knew how to do it, then this conversation would be very uncomfortable for you. Yeah. Very uncomfortable, right? There's a clear indication. Like if you're listening to this and you know how to do it, then you should be very uncomfortable right now. And, and you should be highly motivated to, hey, if I know it and I know the clock is ticking and I know that I'm, not, I'm operating without a plan and I know I'm not going out and getting help and I'm, not, I'm just avoiding all these things, then this, this conversation is for you, period. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, this is, this should not be pleasant. This should be like, man, you're the ultimate hypocrite. Look, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was I went uh, back in 2012 to Haiti and got to spend some time there. And in fact, we ended up building our organization, ended up building a, a village there, um, which I'm very proud of because I was so moved by it. But one of the things that really stuck with me is there's not a person in that country that wouldn't trade their best day for your worst day. I promise you, right? When you sit there and you, you know, piss and moan and talk about what could have been, should have been, what I didn't do. I know this, but I didn't do it and all this kind of stuff. How dare you? You're listening to this. You have been blessed with so many opportunities. In all likelihood, you're healthy. You got air in your lungs. You got blood pumping through your veins. You're walking, you run, you're living, you know, in a country where you can potentially do anything you want to do. For you to not make the most out of that opportunity and wring everything out of life, to me, is just irresponsible because there's billions of people on this planet that don't get that. Mm. And so just go. There's no reason yeah. not to go. It's, it's never a lack of resources, right? It's never. never a lack of resources. And I think that you said it really interestingly is that no one cares about your failures because you're not that important. And it's true because if you look at the top leaders of the world and, and the amount of mess ups they have and, and failures and things they do, and no one cares. Like, you know, you care for five minutes and then it just disappears. And then you're worrying about yourself and who's going to judge you. It's like, you're not the president. You're not this, you're not that. You're not the celebrity. Um, well, they're going to so judge you either way. That's, that's, that's the irony. You know who's going to judge you the most is your friends and family. Mm. I mean, if you, if you go for it, guess what? They're going to judge you. What's he thinking? What's she thinking? Oh my God, what are they doing? Are you kidding me? If you don't go for it, what are they going to do? Wow, he's had so much potential. He never really went for it. They didn't go. I mean, you're going to get judged either way. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. And it's not going to, it's, I think that people worry about the, these effects of stuff. Like if I, you know, if I invest in this thing or I do this thing, what's the unknown effects that could possibly make it worse for me? And people worry about it getting worse. And I think that it's getting worse by the day that you don't do stuff. And so doing anything is almost going to make it better. And I think that the, the, the pivot really needs to be is that we are all essentially young enough to pivot even if we make a mistake because it's not like we're going to sell everything and and put it all into this into bitcoin and then go fingers crossed like you want to be a bit smarter than that but in essence you can still try and then learn because i it sounds lame but you know as they say i don't believe in failure it's always learning and failure is that you you didn't do anything or you did it and then you didn't learn from it but yeah. i think that the place to start with this because a lot of people are going to be stuck is like well okay so how, what do i do and i think that it's understanding that absolutely everything influences you what you watch what you listen to what you let into your head influences your views and beliefs about things which then influences your potential to get an outcome if i believe that it's i can't do it then I won't do it. They've done studies where you've, you've got a math, a math test, for example, and on one, uh, one group is uh, on all the people who with Asian backgrounds, they put a question on there and they say, what is your ethnic background? And you have to tick Asian, right? Or not. And then another group, they have to tick your gender, male or female or whatever. And the group that the only difference was they ticked I'm Asian scored like 10% better because there's a belief that Asians are good at math. And then right. the one where the females had to tick on female scored 10% lower because there's a belief that females are not as good at math. But if you gave the same test to the same groups but didn't ask those questions, uh, it then didn't influence their outcomes because they weren't pre-framed with right. belief that I'm this or I'm that. And so when you're looking at what you believe about life, it's got you to where you are. 
And if you're uncomfortable or you're just wanting more, you're wanting to shift or pivot, you need to start understanding the beliefs that you need to have to get you to that next point. If I want to be, I don't know, a really good football player, I need to believe that it's possible for me to do that. I need to believe that I need to train every day. I need to do this. I need to do that. And even if you don't end up, you know, being the new LeBron because you're only four foot tall, you sure as hell are going to be better than where you are right now at it. And you'll find fulfillment and contentment in that. And I think it starts with just simply turning off Netflix, turning off the TV, uh, stop listening to the news and start putting in better, more supportive voices to where you're wanting to get to. If you wanted to be good in property, start reading a whole lot of books around property. Even if they're not good, I believe that just starting in that journey somewhere in the weeds, you start to find the answer. A lot of people look for the most perfect pathway. Well, if I'm going to grow my business, I need to find the exact right book and video and training program. I've spent so much money on, on shit that's gone nowhere. But through doing that, it's allowed me to find the things that did take me somewhere. And it's because I did more. It allowed me to get there quicker. Whereas most people, they try one thing, they read one book, they watch one video, they watch get one program, and they don't get exactly what they want. And so they think, oh, this is all bullshit and they can't. But that's the failure because you haven't looked for the learning opportunity to go, what did I take from that? The amount of crap that I've read and listened to over time that's allowed me to pinpoint exactly the direction they need to go in is obviously, is ultimately what gets you there, right? And so changing that conversation that you allow in your head is so important. Uh, every well, yeah, morning. I, and I just to echo that, I think one, th- one thing, the conversation that goes on in your head is also the conversation that comes out of your mouth. Mm. Be very, very aware of the words that you use because when you use words like, I can't do this or, you know, like one of the things I, I, I tell anybody that works with me immediately is you must remove the word can't or cannot. And I want you to immediately replace it with, I choose not to. Because lazy language creates lazy outcomes. When you sit here and mm. say, I can't do this, or, 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 and you change it to, I'm choosing not to do that at this time, suddenly that doesn't feel good. Suddenly that yeah. is accountability. Suddenly that is owning the outcome. And when you start to own the outcome, then you will own the actions. Like when you understand that you are responsible for this. And so not only is it the input, but it's also the way you actually speak to yourself. The words that are coming out of your mouth, there's always one person listening, and that's you. And you need to be really, really careful about going and using lazy language that strips you of your power. I can't. I choose not to, and I promise you, you'll start to make better choices. I, I love that because I've had many uncomfortable conversations with friends where they've said like, oh, I can't do that. And they go, no, no, you're just choosing not to. Or like, right. of course you can. You just, you just didn't, or you're not. And oh, I, can't, I, got- can't, I can't get in shape. I can't get in shape. I don't have time to get in shape. Are you kidding me? Like yeah. you can't, you're just making a choice. So when you're a fat ass and you're, you know, you've got diabetes, don't, don't sit around and act like the victim. You did this. And Make a different choice. Own the outcome every day. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. I'm choosing not to. That's a good one. I'm going to start doing that. It's not like I say I can't particularly often at all, but I'm going to be very apparent to how I think about things. And if I ever feel like I'm not getting what I want or going in that direction or I'm not, you know, I'm I'm, I'm losing motivation, I'm procrastinating, really just being hyper aware of saying I'm choosing this. No right. one's making me not do it. I'm right. choosing to not work efficiently. I'm choosing to get distracted. I'm choosing, because then yeah. you're like, man, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. That will be one of the most internal, or your most uncomfortable internal conversations you will ever have. I promise you. You're just like, oh God, this is brutal. I got to stop. 
I had a client, um, I don't practice anymore, but, but when I was practicing, she was telling me, you know, and I know this is a sensitive topic, so I'm sorry for people listening, but, you know, she was talking about, I can't lose weight and I've, I've tried everything and, and all this. And at the moment that someone says, I've tried everything, I, I always just roll my eyes because I'm like, you haven't. You've tried a couple of things and then you stopped. And uh, I said, oh, and I just kind of gave her some casual, it wasn't really advice, it was more just what me and my wife were doing at the time. I said, oh, we've, we're doing this interesting thing where we're just not eating bread and sugar and shit, right? Like we're just being very aware of how much sugar and carbs is in everything that we eat. And we started, we read that book like, uh, I quit sugar or something like that. I can't remember what it is. And it's like reading, I read the label on bread and there's like all this extra sugar in it. So it tastes nice. You keep buying it. And I was like, man, this is, this is crap. So we just stopped the stuff. Friends and family were like, oh, are you going to do this forever? Like you're never going to have bread. I'm like, well, like if I have that mindset, like I'm just going to go back to it, then why would I do it in the first place? And I'm just going to stay where I am. So yes, no, I'm never going to have it again. And they went, oh, what? And they couldn't understand it. Anyway, so my client, I said to her, well, you know, I stopped doing this stuff and, um, you know, I've already, I've lost weight and it's not like I've got anything extra to lose. My body's just got leaner. I've got a whole lot of energy, you know? And I said, why don't you just, you know, like how much, how much bread and rice and stuff you're eating? She said, well, I've, you know, I've tried to do this. So I was like, well, so, if, you know, I, I've just actually done it, you know, so why don't you give that a go she said well i'm not going to starve myself i went there we go like that's yeah. the answer like if yeah. you lived on a desert island right now um yeah. you'd probably have lost the weight because it's not a matter of anything other than you're probably just doing a bit much of this you know for those listening instead of watching you know hand to mouth and not thinking about what you're actually putting in your body and what actions you're taking consciously physically it's a great actually when you think about it man it's a great analogy to business as well right and basically mm. I'm grabbing at the things that just kind of feel good at the moment to try to make, to appease the situation instead of just making a whole decision. Like we started the conversation with, this is what I want for my life. Like I want Mm. to be healthy. I want to be able to, I want longevity. I want to be able to play with my kids. You know, I'm 50 years old right now. And so I want to be able to do whatever I want to do, however I want to do it. So I've been vegan for the last four years, work out every day. I've been very healthy for a long time. It isn't about looking great. It's about, you know, I want to, I want to be, I want to get every moment that I possibly can out of this. Right. And unfortunately we all have the exact same affliction. Nobody gets out alive. We all, you know, everybody's going to expire. And so I want to get as much out of it as I can. And that's, and when it comes back to whether it's health or business or whatever, the same is, is true in both ways. There's a lot of quick fixes. There's a lot of quick little hits that you can get that little dopamine hit. Well, I bought this tool or I bought this training, or I think this is going to get me there, or this is another, rev- whatever it is. And a lot of that stuff, inevitably, without a plan, without an understanding of where you're trying to get to and what the outcome is you're looking for, it's nothing but that. It's nothing but a, you know, a quick little dopamine fix that, that's going to satisfy your desire to buy something and make you feel good like you took a step, but it isn't the step, nor is it any part of the steps that are required to get you to where you want to get to. Most people are uncomfortable with the, the short-term pain because they don't understand long-term pain. They look at everything in terms of I'm feeling pain right now because of stuff right now, not because of what I did or didn't do for the last nope. five weeks, five months, five years, because it's, it's obvious and apparent with what we do with our health, but also what we do with our businesses, right? Like I'm going to keep hustling and doing the work so that I don't have to pay, you know, this person a little bit of extra money to do the job for me, to allow me to create a stepping stone of leverage to get to the next point. Exactly right. An easy example is like, I don't clean my house and I don't cook my dinner and I don't shop for food. 
I have someone to do it for me or I have a service that allows me to do it. And it seems very like, when I think about it for me, like, oh, James, like why you could cook your own dinner. You could clean your house. Like, come on, who do you think you are? But I've flipped that because I listened to a, a podcast episode about it. Uh, I can't remember the show, but I was listening to the concept and, they, and I flipped it and they said, well, if I'm spending time cleaning my house and cooking my dinner and going out and standing at the shopping market, supermarket to buy food, that's less time that I can work on developing better systems for my clients to get better outcomes, which affects their life. So this is not for me. This is for my business. This is for my future, for my family. A hundred percent, or even go one step further. I mean, because I do the same, right? Somebody cleans our house, somebody mows our lawn, somebody, and it's certainly not the number one that not could I only do it, but two that I not, won't necessarily in some cases enjoy it. That is not the issue. The issue is that, is it the highest and best use of my time in two very specific areas? One, could I be helping to guide my business and create you know, more opportunities. That's certainly one of them and a huge one. The other one is, man, what kind of message am I telling myself and my kids is that I would rather go and do this medial task that I could pay somebody $10 to, to go do versus spending an hour here with my little girl building Legos, right? Yeah. You tell me which is more valuable, right? And there's no mm-hmm. question when you think about it like that. If, here's the way I look at it, James, is that if I told you today, right now that, you know, I either gave you the best news or the worst news, depending on how you looked at it, that you had 168 hours left on this planet, period, seven days. Um, It could be the best news because at least you know, right? Worst news, clearly, because if something's happening in seven days, you don't want to happen. And um, at that moment, in that very specific moment, if the very next thing I did was said, dude, you're a really smart guy and I want to buy 10 of your last 168 hours from you unquestionably, if I, if I tried to do that, you would most likely tell me they're not for sale, right? Mm. This is my most precious asset. I have a very finite number of them left. There's only 168 left. I'm not selling 10 for any amount of money, period. And we all basically would feel the same way, right? Most of us, you know, if you ask 90% of the people that are listening to this would feel the same way. This is my most precious asset in that very specific scenario. Well, number one, you could be in your last 168 right now and you would never know. Okay. Never know. Happens every day, millions of times a day. Number two, if it is your most precious asset that you are simply unwilling to sell, right? At it for any price. Okay. Then why would you not choose to make the most out of that currency, that asset every single day that you possibly could? If it, if it is not for sale, if you have the opportunity to buy an hour of your happiness for 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks for somebody else to go spend an hour and go do crap that you don't want to do. As far as I'm concerned, I'm buying an hour of my most precious asset for 20 bucks. Any way you cut that, baby, that sounds like a bargain to me. And so Mm. I'm in the game of buying as many of my hours back as I can. I want to buy as many of them as I can in as many different areas as I can. Can somebody else run the marketing campaign? Can somebody else do sales? Can somebody else do operations? Can somebody else mow my lawn? Can somebody else you know, clean my house because every one of those hours I'm buying back at a bargain. And so when you start thinking like that, man, it makes perfect logical sense to do what you're doing. A perfect logical sense. Are you kidding me? I mean, you could, you'd be hard to argue the other side then. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And I think to like, it's definitely the, the emotional life hours side of things, but even just in a tactical sense in a business for people listening, like how do I apply this right now? Not only do I obviously need to be looking at every single day like this, but thinking about it in terms of what am I doing in my job? Like I, I have a client in my inner circle program and she's fully booked and doesn't know what to do. 
And I said, well, it's a good problem to have. Why don't we just hire you someone? She said, I don't know if I can. I said, what do you mean? You can't not because it's, you've turned your marketing off because you're fully booked. You can't serve these people. You're wanting to have a kid soon. Like you need to hire someone now to start seeing your clients. And so, so through frameworks and some, you know, working on her mindset a bit, it was like, okay, let's do it. And I, and I understood it was because of how she was viewing that situation and thinking in terms of, well, you know, I'm going to lose some revenue or it's going to be too hard. It's going to be too this, too that, because we're looking at these short-term things, thinking about that we've got, you know, all this time that we can catch up with later. And I'm like, you've got no time. It needs to happen now so that you can create some leverage. So you can step back and focus on the things that are important because, the initial goal with her when she went through my accelerator program was just, I want to get more clients. We did that. Now what? I don't know what, because I've only ever focused on that very short-term goal um, because we don't have a plan for what the life that we want is so that we can marry everything else up to align with it. Dude, this has been an insane episode and I, and I feel like we could go on forever, but I'm super conscious of time. Tell us um, where we can connect with you on, uh, online. And I believe you have a book out. Is that right? Yeah, just uh, just released my second book. Just came out this past week, so I'm really proud of that. So you can find that on Amazon, and, and it, uh, the name of the book is This Shit Works. Go search by my name or look that up. Or you can find me at my website, kentclothier.com, or easy to find on Facebook and Instagram, at Kent Clothier. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm definitely going to try and get you on again. This was enjoyable for me. And you know, as, as I said before, you, you can know things and then you do things that's different and, and you can know stuff and you have these conversations and you're actually applying it and thinking about things differently. And um, I'm going to get something set up in my office that just ticks over every day and just goes, ding, the day's over and there's one less. It's going to push me. I love it. Thank you All so right, much. Take my it pleasure. Easy. Take care, man. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it as it helps us get our episodes out to more people just like you who want to know how to increase their revenue, impact more people, and build businesses that work for the lifestyle they want. Now, I know your time is valuable, and I know that you are here to learn the secrets to success in your health business, so I have something special for you just for checking out the episode. Now, if you're a health professional, coach, or trainer in business, and you're serious about growing a profitable, impactful business, then pay attention, because as a listener of the show, I want you to win. And so I've created a host of resources available exclusively for listeners of the show. So if you're tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing, and sales all on your own, and you're ready to just implement what's already proven to work rather than reinventing the wheel, I want you right now to go and check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. That's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. And there you'll find over $5,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching available only for listeners of the show. Again, that's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. There I'll give you resources on everything from how to acquire 10 times more of your ideal clients using social media and paid ads, even referrals, how to increase your client conversion into packages at an 80 to 90% conversion rate like me, how to retain your clients for longer, getting them better results and making them happier, how to increase your prices and charge a premium to work with you and how you can build a six, multi-six, even seven-figure practice just like I did but with a tenth of the time and a tenth of the effort. What I want you to realize is that everything I teach comes from exactly what I did to have success and still have success in my own health business. And I want to share that with you so you can have success too. So go check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider right now and let me help you win big in your health business. Also remember to subscribe for two episodes every week full of the secrets to have success in your health business as well as leave us a review so we know what you thought of the show. And I'll see you on the next episode.